If not, I invite you to turn with me to the 34th Psalm, Psalm number 34. This is a song that David wrote. It is one that is quoted uh, with uh, some regularity. It is a, a wonderful song that relates to a specific moment in David's life, and it's an acrostic psalm. And a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned some things about verb tense and talked about grammar class, so I guess we need to go back to grammar class just one more time to talk about what an acrostic is. Uh, so an acrostic poem or an acrostic song in this case is one that follows every letter of the alphabet. So uh, you probably did those in elementary school or different times in your life where you put together a poem based on your name where each uh, each letter or each word would start with the letters of your name and things like that. That's what this is. And it's following all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's organized in a specific fashion. And that was done that people might remember it, that it might have some some usefulness to it, that people would know the song and carry it with them, that there could be something learned of it. And what we're going to see is that David here, who's writing this song, he actually tells us specifically what he's wanting to teach us in this song. So to give you a little bit of background, we're only going to read the second half of it here uh, this morning, but to give you a little bit of background, and you can go and read this background over in the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel, but David at this point in his life, he's on the run from Saul. Saul is seeking to, to, to kill him, and so he's on the run from Saul, and he's having these different situations that are coming up as he's on the run, and he's before Abimelech, the king. And David, to escape the hand of the king, he feigns to be mad. He pretends as though he's lost his mind. You can go and read it over in the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel. And it goes into detail about what he's doing. He talks about how he's basically foaming at the mouth and slobbering over his beard, trying to convince the king that he is mad, that he has no usefulness to the king, that the king would let him go. And sure enough, God delivered and, he, and, and David was able to flee from that situation. And this psalm is both a testimony of God's deliverance in that, as well as it is a lesson, an instruction to us even today about what we should do when it is that we have those needs that we need to take to the Lord. So read with me here, beginning in verse 11 of Psalm number 34. Again, this is from David. He says, Come, ye children, and hearken unto me. Let me stop just right there very quickly. Anytime you see that type of language in Scripture, it should cause you to stop. You should ha have your ears at attention because God has written something, has something that we need to hear. Anytime you hear that, listen, or, or come and gather around, this is a summons, it is an invitation to us to come and pay a special attention to what God has to tell us. He says, come ye children and hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of of the Lord. He says, What man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile or from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all 
their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth or delivers such that be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, the Lord delivereth him out of all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. We'll stop there at the conclusion of Psalm number 34. David, again, he has written in the earlier part of this psalm, he has given a testimony of God's deliverance and how God has helped him. And there's many memorable lines from that as he wrote how he sought the Lord and and that God had heard him and delivered him from all his fears. How this poor man in verse 6 had cried and the Lord had heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He tells us to taste and to see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, yea, his saints, for there is no want, there is no lack in them that fear him. So David has provided his own personal testimony. And then he invited us, he summons us to come around that we might hear and learn of him how to fear the Lord. I know if you're like me, sometimes you study the scriptures, you're looking to find some specific answer in the Bible, and as you do that, you almost get a little frustrated because you like to just be able to hear it in black and white concerning whatever situation that it is that you're trying to get an answer for. And then you'll hear somebody like me that tell you that every answer to the questions of life can be found in this book, and you say, okay, well, it's really hard then to find those answers. Yet here, David is telling us specifically, come and learn how to fear the Lord. And he tells us, he says to keep our lips from evil, from speaking guile, to keep our tongue from from saying and, and speaking lies and speaking deceitful things and from speaking evil. Now it's interesting to me, he goes on in the very next verse and he says to depart from evil, to just remove it, to to flee from it completely. But before he went general, he told us something specific concerning our language and concerning the things that we say, concerning our tongues. And there's a lot to say about that. That's not where I want, want to focus today, but I just need to say something about that because that's where David started, so it seems like it must be important. And we can read over in the book of James, we can read in the book of James how he teaches us there that the tongue is a little member, but it is a little member that can kindle a great fire. How it is unruly, how it can't be tamed. And if you're like me, you probably have had situations where your mouth has gotten you in trouble. My mom, when I was a teenager, she had to pop me in the mouth a couple of times to teach me to keep my my tongue from getting me in trouble. I hope I'm not the only one. But the reality is that we know that we have these challenges sometimes where we we speak before we think, or we say things we, we wish we could get them back. Sometimes it's like I can see the words going out of my mouth and I'm just reaching at the same time I've spoken them, trying to get them back because I have regretted immediately what I've had to say. Before David instructs us as children to depart from evil generally, he tells us to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking guile. Again, he is teaching us about the fear of the Lord. And the first thing he tells us is to watch what you say. Then he says, depart from evil and flee from it. Listen to me, if you've been saved by God's grace, you have been made righteous. Not of your own 
goodness, not of your own deeds, of your own works, but you have been made righteous through Jesus. His righteousness has been imputed to you. God looks at you and He sees the righteousness of His Son. And He treats you as righteous because of the work on the cross that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. So we're righteous. And so we should have no involvement with evil. We know that there's a, a, a war of natures that we have within us. God has saved us inwardly. This body continues to, to deal with sin and struggle hard with the realities of the temptations of the flesh. So we know we have this struggle. But our desire inwardly should be to depart from evil and to seek righteousness. And so as we see David here instructing us and teaching us as children about the fear of the Lord, the first thing he says to do is don't involve yourself with evil. To flee from sin and from unrighteousness. To do good. To seek peace and to pursue it. So that's what David first remarks. Is to do good. And then he says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And I want you to see a couple of times here. David is going to provide a direct comparison between the righteous and the wicked. That's what he does here. He says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. But in the next verse, he says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God sees His people. He knows the situations that you have going on in your life. And He despises the things that wicked men do. goes on and He says that His ears are open to the cries of the righteous. Not only does God see you, but He hears you. He hears your cry. In the dead of night, when there is no one else that will be able to hear you, God sees you and He hears you. Yet He is against them that do wicked. In fact, another place I believe it is in the psalm, Scripture tells us that God is angry with the wicked every day. God has no pleasure in the evils that go on here on earth. He has no involvement in them. He despises them. They cause Him to be bitterly angry. And there's wrath that God has for evil. Yet His eye is upon the righteous. So when you see situations in your life where you just feel like you are overwhelmed with, with, with evil, and you just feel like around you that the world is just set out to get you, I want you to know in some ways it is, but God sees you, and He hears your cry. But not only does He hear your cry, but listen to what He says in verse 17. He says, The righteous cry and the Lord hears and He delivers them out of all their troubles. The righteous cry, the Lord hears, and He delivers. And He doesn't deliver in some small way. Do you ever notice that? God's deliverance is never in part. God doesn't deal in somehow trying to improve situations. God doesn't deal in trying to somehow improve your life. If you're like me, when God saved your soul, it wasn't just that all of a sudden your life got a little bit better. When God saved you, He changed you. He gave you a new life. You were made a new creature in Christ Jesus, the Scriptures teach us. The reality is, is that while all the world is looking to somehow add to their life and improve their life, God is looking and dealing and completely transforming sinners from the inside out. Isn't that incredible? 
Serving the Lord is not some accessory that you add on to your life to somehow have a better or more fulfilled life. I know that there are those that think that just going to church on a Sunday checks a box and it's the right thing to do and it makes them some, give them some character trait that they have. But what God does when someone is genuinely saved and genuinely a Christian, He has completely transformed them and made them brand new. Isn't that cool? We're not talking about improved. We're talking about new. A new creature in Christ Jesus. So He hears us. And He delivers us. And He takes care of these things completely. Brother Corey testified earlier about Jakey and about the situation that he had. And it's Brother Corey and Sister Jess to share the details around that. But, but, but knowing what they were, God didn't just deal in part. He dealt completely. I've told the story, the account before about my, my cousin who had cerebral palsy and she was facing a, a surgery. It was going to be a very dangerous situation in this surgery and everybody was praying that she would come through it well except for my grandfather. And he was just praying that she would suddenly not have to have this surgery at all. They got closer to the time for the surgery and I was too young to remember all the details of this. But what I do remember was a rejoicing when suddenly the doctor said, we don't need to do this surgery after all. God hears the cries of His people and He delivers them from all their troubles. Verse 18, He says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such that they have a contrite spirit. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. He says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Listen to this verse. He says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Something that was monumental in my life and learning to serve the Lord was this. That God has never promised us a pain-free existence. He has never promised us that we would be free from all troubles. In fact, David here says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth us out of all of them. Sometimes we're praying, God, just get me out of this valley. Many times we should be praying, God, I don't know the purpose of this valley, but I pray that you would show me to it, that I might be able to understand what it is that you desire to teach me as I go through these troubles. As I go through all of these many afflictions, God, I don't know the purpose of them, but I pray that I would see the purpose that you have for me and that you would receive all the glory. Through the valley. Isn't that what the psalmist wrote in the 23rd Psalm? He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know that you are with me. He keeps going. He says, He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Both a testimony of God's protection and deliverance of his people, but also a prophecy that not a bone will be broken in the Lord Jesus. So the evil shall, listen to this, the last two verses here. Once again, he is contrasting the righteous and the evil. He says, Evil shall slay the wicked. Isn't that cool? God will allow evil. But that evil receives its reward. Evil will slay the wicked. Those who do wickedness will receive the reward of their wickedness. And that they that hate righteousness shall be left desolate and condemned. 
But the Lord redeems, the Lord delivers the soul of his servants. And none of them, listen to that, none of them that trust in him will be left desolate, will be left condemned. Sometimes you have that feeling like I've had, where you're wondering, God, where have you gone? I am left, as Sister Becky uh, shared with us the words of that song earlier, we are left in a desert. We are left in desolation. We are wondering, God, where is your deliverance? God, I would do anything just to, to, to quench my thirst. Yet God will not leave us desolate. We are in no ways condemned for them that trust Him. He is near us. I left off at a verse. I want to go back to and we'll try to spend just a few minutes here before we close today. It's a verse that we hear quoted a lot concerning repentance, concerning conviction. But here we see that it's actually being spoken to us in verse 18 concerning the righteous. That the Lord is nigh. The Lord is near those that are of a broken heart and He saves those that are of a contrite spirit. Keep in mind here, David is writing, he is instructing us as children about the fear of the Lord. And he has told us that we would seek after goodness, we would seek after righteousness, that we would flee and depart from evil. And now he is calling us to prayer that the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. But now he is giving us the state of our hearts, or what the state of our hearts should be when we cry out to the Lord. He is saying that the Lord is near them that are of a broken heart, and he says, He delivers those that are of a contrite or a crushed spirit. Do you ever, if I can try to put this into the expression that you normally hear people use, you ever feel like you're just doing all you can to keep it all together? To keep yourself together? Whether it's by glue or by duct tape or by bubble gum, You're doing all you can to keep your life together. And you feel like that if just one thing was to fall this direction or go this way, that it would all fall apart. And you're just holding on, it seems like, to life at both ends and doing your best from keeping those ends from slipping out of your hands. Your hope, your your, your faith, all of it's being put to the test. And you're wondering what it is that you should do. And all that you are trying to do is to keep from falling apart. Yet God instructs us here through the pen of David that the Lord is near them that are of a broken heart. And He delivers them that are of a crushed spirit. My message to you today to you who feel as though hopeless or hope is just escaping through your hands. You're left only to feel hopeless. You feel as though you are in a desolate land, in a desert land. You feel as though there, there's just nothing left and, and you're just doing all that you can to keep things together. There's a great quote about where to go when you're broke. But I want to tell you where you need to go when you're broken. And it's to the Lord. 
What happens when we find ourselves stretched out like this? What happens when we find ourselves where we're just doing all that we can to keep things together is that we begin to, to move further and, and we drift away from the Lord. And as we drift away from the Lord further and further, we begin to involve ourselves with evil. And we're doing the exact thing that David here is instructing us as children not to do. How we talk, the things that we say are, are indicative of, of our hearts in those moments. Don't you know what the scriptures say about our heart? How it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh? I can be around some of you and I can hear the things that you're saying and the kinds of words that you are using and I can very quickly get an indication of where your heart's at. And it's indicative that your heart is, is, is at drift because you have so much going on in your life that you're trying to keep together. You're trying to keep from falling apart. And as you are trying so hard to do that, you're drifting away from the Lord. And you're drifting away from the Lord because God is simply saying, Come unto me. Come unto me. Take my burden upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There is rest at the feet of Jesus. And meanwhile, you're trying so hard to keep it all together. And you're worn out. And you're exhausted. And I hear it in your voice. And I hear it in the things that you say. And God hears it. And God sees it. But you're trying so hard to keep it all together. And you're drifting further and further out. God simply saying, come, bring your brokenness to me. You're crushed in your spirit. Bring it to me. God loves a broken heart. And he is a perfect healer of those who are crushed in spirit. You don't have to keep it all together before your Lord. You might feel like you have to keep it all together for the world. And maybe your work requires you to. Maybe the responsibility of a parent requires you to. But you can enter into a prayer closet. And there before the Lord, you can be shattered at heart. And God who hears the cry of the righteous, He will hear you and He will see you and He will deliver you out of all of your troubles. We live in a world where it seems that everyone runs so quickly and life is moving so fast. That all of us are doing our very best to keep all the balls that we juggle up in the air, to keep all of our lives together. And we're struggling and we're afraid. And we see society around us changing in ways that causes us to be fearful for our homes and our children. And we're doing all that we can to try to keep it all together. I want you to know today, when it all feels like it's falling apart, the Lord is near you. He's not far away from those that are His. He's not far away from those that trust Him. Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. If you're like me, there are some times where I get so anxious that I forget what I'm anxious about. You ever get that way? 
And you're sitting there, you're wondering, Lord, I know that I'm anxious about something, but I'm just so anxious that I've, I, I can't even remember things anymore. Yet Paul says, don't be anxious in anything. But in everything, pray. With supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then listen to what Paul said next to the Philippians. He said, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When it feels like you cannot get rest, you cannot sleep because your mind won't shut off, because there's just so much that you're trying to keep up in the air, God says, come to me. Come to me. My peace that I offer you, it surpasses any peace that you can possibly understand. He says, pray. Make your supplications be known to God with thanksgiving. God will hear you and He will help you. There is power in the prayer of one who is broken. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, many Christians today pray to be blessed, but few Christians pray to be broken. (laughs) There is great reward found in the broken saint of God who makes their way to the cross of Christ. He says, God, I cannot deal or bear this burden any longer. And I can't bear it on my own. And so I bring it to You. And the Lord, all the while, was saying, Come to Me. Come to Me, all ye that are heavy laden and weary. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That quote that I shared earlier, or I didn't share it all, about where to go when you're broke. There's a financial guy, real popular. You guys heard me talk about Dave Ramsey before. He says that. He says, there's a great place to go when you're broke to work. There's a great place to go when you're broken. And it's to the Lord in humbleness and in prayer. Not trying to come to the Lord as though you have it all together. As though you're only wanting to give Him part that you can carry the rest. You ever done that in prayer? Where you go to the Lord and you say, God, if you can just deal with this thing, I can take care of the rest. <laughs> Lord, if you just take this off my plate, I, I promise I can, I can take care of everything else. So as if we're going to, to the Lord, like we're going to our employer and saying, you know, I, I just, I, I'm so busy, I can't handle this part right now. If I can just do the rest and find somebody else to do that. God knows all about the things that make you broken. And you can take them to Him. And He will hear you. And He will answer you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God delivers them out of all. I want you to keep in mind again, the words we read today were written by one who was fleeing for his life. And he was finding himself again and again in situations where it seemed that there was no hope, 
where it seemed like there was nothing else to be done and, and, and he was relying on, on whatever he could find, whatever idea he'd come up with to somehow make it another day. But the Lord hears the cry of the righteous and he delivers them out of all of their troubles. I don't know what you're going through today, but I want you to know that God does. And I want to encourage you you don't have to keep it all together. There's no shame in a broken heart. There's no shame in a crushed spirit. The only shame is when you try to somehow think that you are going to be able to successfully pick up the pieces and put them all back together. If I can close with this. I was thinking last night as I kind of finished my preparations and everything and was kind of going about my my evening and getting ready for bed and I was thinking about these things and as a parent of young children I thought about that nursery rhyme about Humpty Dumpty you know the one where Humpty Dumpty was an egg sat on a wall he had a great fall and he fell off of it and an egg that falls off a wall onto hard ground shatters and all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty back together. And you know the rhyme, don't you? I was thinking about how we learn that rhyme as children and how we kind of have fun with it. And I remember doing those kinds of projects when I was a kid in kindergarten, first grade, and those different ages. Yet the lesson of Scripture is that when we find ourselves falling apart and all the world can't get us put back together, where it seems that no one can, can somehow grab the pieces. We can't find that one missing piece. We can't get everything back in alignment to, to get us put back together. God is near them that are of a broken heart. And He saves such. He delivers such that are of a contrite spirit. You can take your brokenness to the Lord. I thank you for listening to me. Something on your heart today. Something God wants you to say or do.